there, gang. Looks like we've got yet another solved mystery on our hands. Welcome back to Meddling Kids Podcast, where we cover all things scary and weird for listeners near and far. Yeah. My name is Bree. And my name is Cord. And we are roommates who met on Twitter in 2020 during a pandemic and became instant best friends. It gets worse every time, I swear. <laughs> Our mutual interest for true crime and all things spooky has brought us together to create this podcast called Meddling Kids. Uh, our name is heavily inspired by our favorite cartoon growing up. We would have gotten away with it if it hadn't been for you meddling kids. On this week's episode, we will be covering something that we have never covered before. It's our first cult episode. Ah. I'm so pumped. I love cults. Me too. I truly do. Let's warm one. Yeah, okay, period. As we should. (laughs) As per usual, we want to give a little disclaimer that we do not intend any disrespect to anyone mentioned in this podcast. We simply research articles from the internet and then report our findings for educational purposes. Some information in this podcast may not be 100% accurate, but we do try our best to look for reputable sources. And with that being said, let's get into it. Oh, I would just like to add a little, one little more a trigger warning here. Trigger. We do um, we do be talking about suicide in this episode, so just and drug abuse. Uh, yeah, so just a little just a little FYI for those of you who uh, would like to know that. Anyways. Welcome to Meddling Kids Podcast, Episode 5, The Jonestown Massacre. Let's start off with a background on Mr. James Warren Jones, infamously known as Jim Jones. Jones was born on May 13, 1931 in Crete, Indiana, to Mother Lynetta Putnam and his father, World War I veteran, James Thurman Jones. His father had been injured in the war and was unable to work. Jim's mother supported his family. In 1934, his family suffered greatly during the Great Depression as they were forced to move to a nearby town of Lynn where Jones grew up in a shack without plumbing. That sounds a bit stinky to me. Stinks. Yeah, that reeks. (laughs) It does. It truly, that would have to reek. Reeks of sewage for years. Yeah, it it will. And it, it did, I'm sure. It smelled like shit. Jim Jones grew up as an avid reader. He particularly took an interest in books about Hitler, Joseph Stalin, and Gandhi. Hmm. Hmm, That's a little bit of a range there. Hmm. He also developed an intense obsession with religion. People believe he engulfed himself with these obsessions because he found it difficult to make friends. You know why? Because he was a fucking weirdo. (laughs) Period. Get him, Jay. His childhood acquaintances described Jones as a really weird kid who was obsessed with religion and death. Some people who knew Jones as a child recall that he would often hold funerals for small animals on his parents' property and was also alleged that he stabbed a cat to death. Nice. How nice of him. Live, laugh, love that for him. (laughs) Jim Girl Boss Jones. (laughs) Jones and a childhood friend both claimed his father was a part of the KKK. Okay. Yeah, that's that's not a great start. No. No. Jones and his father often argued on the issue of race. One time his father refused to let one of Jones's black friends into the house, and he did not speak to his father for many, many years over this incident. Eventually, Jones' parents did separate, and Jones relocated with his mother to Richmond, Indiana. In December 1948, he graduated from Richmond High School early with honors. He was a very intelligent man. Yeah. Man-child at this point in the mm-hmm. game. He's old. 
Jones worked as an orderly at Richmond Hospital and was well respected by his co-workers and his senior management. Although there was one incident recalled by a former co-worker and childhood friend of Jones who remembers him exhibiting some disturbing behavior towards a patient. Jones manhandled a patient while dry shaving him, resulting in an injury to the patient with a straight razor. Oh my God. He then gave a menacing look towards the co-worker. What the fuck? Yeah, he's, I, I guess it was the throat, I can imagine. It was probably the throat. Or it could have been the... Mm, I think it was probably the throat. I don't know. The poinus. Who knows? Anyways. That's all I know about that. They didn't go into deets. <laughs> it was at Reed Hospital where Jones met nurse Marceline Baldwin, whom he married in 1949. The two were married in June 1949. Okay. <laughs> Fine. I put it there twice. He, they did get married in 1949, I guess. Did you know they got married in... <laughs> well, we know now, so... <laughs> You want me to start it over? No, just keep going. It's fine. <laughs> they get the point. In a house fire in the Bronx, where there was a fire in the Bronx, in the house in the Bronx of a fire. <laughs> Period. Despite an extremely difficult marriage, Marceline stayed with Jones until the end. Dot, dot, dot. Bum, bum, bum. Jones and we're going to call her Marcy, because Marceline, I'm just not going there. She was referred to as Marcy, according to Bree. Oh, wow. <laughs> so Jones and Marcy had one child together and adopted several children of various ethnicities. Mm. Jones was proud of his rainbow family. That's what they called them. His, his, he called it a rainbow family because they're all different colors. Bro. He urged others to adopt as well. That was like a thing he did. He was, you know, all about that life. As an adult, Jim Jones wanted to make the world a better place. Oh, did he? Yeah. How nice. Funny how things work mm. out. Funny how things work out. Yeah. <laughs> At first, Jones tried to be a student pastor at an already established church, but he was quickly quarreled. But <laughs> he was quickly squirreled. Hmm. But he quickly quarreled with the church's leadership. Jones, who strongly opposed segregation, wanted to integrate the church, which was not a popular idea at the time. Perry King, he's doing a lot for um, for the races. He is. He was all about that life, which is. You know, you, you kind of want to be like, oh, yeah, what a good guy. Yeah, you, you want to commend him for the good things he did, but then you also want to give him a little, little slap on the hand. Around this time, Jones witnessed a faith healing service at a Seventh-day Baptist church. He observed that it attracted people and their money <laughs> and concluded that he could scam people into believing he was a he was a healer and he wanted to take their money, too. He was all about that money life. Period. Cha-ching goes a money tray. He said, get that bread, get that head, then leave. Peace, Peace out. Peace out. <laughs> He really said he did. Okay. He would host religious conventions where people would come to watch his faith healing services. Obviously, Jones was not a prophet. No, he was not. (laughs) He often used healing rituals to attract new followers. These highly staged events claimed to heal people's illnesses, anything from eye problems to heart disease. He also... um, did this thing where they would put like chicken liver? I was in literally gonna mouths? talk about that. They like planted his like friends in the audience. Was, like nurses of yeah. He had a small circle of people who he let in on like the scamming mm-hmm. secret, and they would plant themselves in the audience. Pretend at, they were sick. Yeah, and, and plant themselves in the audiences. Mm-hmm. And then he also had like nurses come in, nurses mm-hmm. quote unquote nurses, and they would like drop like chicken liver in people's mouths while they were swabbing them to make them like 
gag it back yeah, up. Yeah, when they coughed it out, they'd be like, the cancer, that's yeah, the cancer. they coughed up the cancer. Disgusting. Yeah. Get wrecked. I would be traumatized if from you, that alone. If someone dropped chicken liver in my mouth, the whole church would be burned down. Maybe some good snack, what? Yeah. Mm, no, it wouldn't. I lied. <laughs> Within two years, Jones had enough followers to start his own church by selling imported monkeys as pets <clears throat> to people door to door. Jones had saved enough money to open his own church. I did not see that when I. <laughs> <laughs> that came out of nowhere. He it came said, out of nowhere. Y'all want monkeys? I got them. You know, I seen this and I had to add it in, but you know what? I never heard it anywhere else. It Me might not either. even be true. I don't even know. Maybe I oh made it up. Oh my god, this man was going. I dreamt it. This just didn't happen. There's no fuck. Where did he? Didn't even go into detail. Just said, "Yep, you know what? This is what he did to get money." Okay, period. End of sentence. He was selling monkeys. Okay. Well. Yeah. Okay. Period. Founded in 1956 by Jim Jones, the People's Temple started in Indianapolis, Indiana, as a racially integrated church that focused on helping people in need. At the time, most churches were segregated. The People's Temple offered a very different utopian view on what society could become. He did, like, um, help do protests and stuff at, like, grocery stores and, like, and, restaurants. and shops and stuff that, like, at the time didn't allow um, black people to go in and he would help protest and so that way they could he he would tell the shop owners like i'm going to bring you a lot of money because you're going to be yeah and what she did because in. there was only so many restaurants and mm -hmm. grocery stores that would let people of color come in mm -hmm. and so once they were allowed in that the whole church then went to these establishments pretty funny how he seems like he was such a good man you know mm. it's kind of weird <laughs> drugs Though so it all started as a biblical church, it referred to a practice called apostolic socialism after the traditions the apostles followed in the early church. This is a hard sentence for me to read, obviously. <laughs> all the believers were together and had everything in common. Doing so, the temple preached that those who remained drugged with the opiate of religion had to be brought to enlightenment. Whatever the fuck that means. <laughs> I truly do not know. I googled it. I got no answers. I don't know what it means. I'm so sorry. Jones was the leader of the church. He was a charism charismatic. He was a charismatic man. Charismatic. Charismatic. Okay. Charismatic. You go on, girly. He was a charming man. <laughs> <laughs> As you should. He was a charming man who demanded loyalty and preached of sacrifice. As a socialist, he believed that American capitalism caused an unhealthy balance in the world, where the rich had too much money and the poor worked too hard to receive too little. I mean, he's he, been facts. He, he is not wrong. Those are bars. He also was like really like obsessed with. He thought like every like the government was watching him. Yeah, that usually happens yeah. when you're on drugs. So, you know, through the People's Temple, Jones preached activism. Although just a small church, the People's Temple established soup kitchens and homes for the elderly and mentally ill. It also helped people find jobs. They also opened up um, student housing, like free student housing and like free meals for like students as well. Like what happened? If he just, you know, didn't let the power get to his head, mm -hmm. he would have made really good changes in the world, I mm -hmm. feel. It, I think a lot of it was the heavy, the heavy drug drugs, use, yeah. paranoia. We'll get to that. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's called. After Jones received a massive amount of criticism in Indiana for his integrationist views, and an investigation into his healing rituals, the temple moved to Redwood Valley in California in 1956. So Jones specifically picked Redwood Valley in particular because he had read an article that 
listed, it is one of the top places least likely to be hit during a nuclear attack. He really did think someone was at get him at this point. Like, he was losing his mind. This was just the very beginning of it, too. But he really did think, oh, we're going to get bombed. He said everything was fake news, everything that the, the news was putting out. Like, he really was just paranoid beyond belief that the birds worked for the bourgeoisie, I think. Yeah? Yep. So, to him, California seemed much more open to accepting an integrated church than Indiana had been. About 65 families followed Jones to Indiana, from Indiana to California. Once established in Redwood Valley, Jones expanded into the San Francisco Bay Area. The People's Temple once again provided homes for the elder, elderly and the mentally ill. It also helped addicts and foster children. The work done by the People's Temple was praised in newspapers and by local politicians. From the outside, Jim Jones and his People Temple looked like an amazing success. The reality, however, was quite different. In fact, the church was transforming into a cult centered around Jim Jones. Cult, cult, cult. After the move to California, Jones changed the theme of the People's Temple from religious to political, with a strong communist vibe. Hmm. Members at the top of the church's food chain had pledged not only their devotion to Jones, but had also pledged over all of their material possessions and money. Some people even signed over custody of their children to him. What the fuck? He really had them brainwashed. He, he really did. Jones quickly became power-hungry, requiring his followers to call him either father or dad. Later, Jones began to describe himself as Christ, and then in the last few years, he claimed that he himself was God. Jones also took large quantities of drugs. Period. End of sentence. This podcast is over. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> At first, it might have been like a little to kind of help him stay awake longer so that he could get more work done. Soon, however, the drugs caused major mood swings, his health deteriorated, and it increased his paranoia. No longer was Jones worried about nuclear attacks. He, seen, he soon believed that the entire government, especially the CIA and the FBI, were after him. In a part to escape from this alleged government threat and to escape from an expose article about to be published, Jones decided to move the People's Temple to... Guyana in South America. Let's just go to an island. Everything's fine. We're just going to move the whole fucking yeah. cult to a whole island in a different fucking country. We're just going to leave. Yeah. <laughs> so I am going to leave. That's what they said. In 1974, a small group of Jones's followers went to Guyana to establish an agricultural cooperative on a tract of jungle. In 1977, Jones and more than 1,000 temple members joined them, and moved to Guyana. Eventually, Jim Jones had named his community that they had created, obviously after himself, to Jonestown. However, Jonestown did not turn out to be the paradise their leader had promised. No, ma'am. The temple members had to work long days in the fields and were subjected to hard punishment if they questioned Jones. Passports and medications were confiscated, and due to lack of medical education and care, they were plagued with diseases. Probably like STDs. I feel it was mostly like... I feel like there had to be some STDs. You know, they had scabies. <laughs> Armed guards patrolled the jungle compound, and members were encouraged to inform on one, each, one another and were forced to attend lengthy late-night meetings. The meetings were like... It was just Jones ranting. Preaching about 
God knows what. Till like two and three a.m. in the morning. For like hours, he'd be like covered. He'd be like fucking soaked to death when he was done. Sweating like yeah, Thomas. like totally out of it. Boys were fucking. You know they were tired too. Boys were falling asleep. <laughs> People who lived in Jonestown were not permitted to leave, and if they tried to contact home, letters and phone calls were censored. Families of the cult members, um, <laughs> so their families um, started to become suspicious as they knew their loved ones were acting strange via their phone calls and their letters, and this worried a lot of people. Because obviously, you know, if you're if I was writing to you, you would know. Mm-hmm. But like, I guess people who were wanted to leave were probably just writing, being like, "I'm scared and shit." That was taken out. They were mm-hmm. rewritten and sent. Yeah, they were forced to rewrite their letters. Yeah. And stuff. On top of this, he used mind-altering drugs to manage his followers. He had stockpiled and was administering quaaludes, Demerol, Valium, morphine, and 11,000 doses of Thorazine, a drug used to calm people with extreme mental problems. The living conditions were horrible, and the work hours were long. And Jones had changed for the worse. Like... I'm pretty sure they were, like, at this point, they were running out of food. Yeah, they were living off peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Yeah, that's all they were eating. He had, like, the nice little setup, the nice bed. Yeah, he had, like, a nice bed in his cabin, Mm -hmm. and it was his nice bed, and then a nice bed for his mistresses. Yes, however many of those there were. (laughs) Um, Did they even have, like, running water in the cabins? Like. It's just... When they were showered, they were told not to open their mouths because the water was polluted. Oh, yeah, it was, too. Disgusting. Yeah. There were some people who had actually escaped Jonestown. Jones let them leave Guyana on the condition that they would return at a later date. When back in San Francisco, someone who escaped said she was contacted by U.S. Representative Leo Ryan, who was looking into the allegations against Jones. Someone had been tipped off. Someone had tipped them off. Someone ratted. Yep. Ryan decided to lead an investigative delegation to Jonestown in November 1978 to look into the allegations. The delegation included Ryan's staff, members of the press, and a number of people concerned about their relatives there. When Jones got wind of this trip, it ignited Jones's own fears of a government conspiracy that was out to get him. Within 24 hours of the congressman's arrival on November 18, 1978, nearly everyone was dead. Members of Jones's security team shot and killed Ryan and four others on an airstrip near the compound as Ryan, members of his staff, journalists, defectors, and family members were on their way to boarding the planes to leave Jonestown. To Jones, greatly addled by drugs and his paranoia, Ryan's visit meant Jones' own doom. After Jones launched the attack against Ryan and his entourage, he used it to influence all of his followers to commit revolutionary suicide. Jones and several members argued that the group should commit suicide by drinking cyanide-laced grape-flavored Flavor-Aid. Now, a lot of people think it's Kool-Aid. A lot of people had, but they did actually drink grape Flavor-Aid during this time. Um, It was later released that Temple Films, there was like thousands of hours of like footage on like videotapes Mm -hmm. of the Temple. Um, they show Jones opening a storage container full of Kool-Aid in large quantities. Now, I know that they had Kool-Aid because it was really cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, however, empty packets of grape flavor aid found on the scene show that this is what was used to mix a solution along with a sedative. Jones had taken large shipments of cyanide into Jonestown for several years prior to November 1978. 
having obtained a jeweler's license, which would allow him to purchase the compound in bulk to purportedly clean gold. According to Temple members Odell Rhodes and Stanley Clayton, who escaped the mass poisoning, children were given the flavorade first by their own parents. Families were told to lie down together. Rhodes also reported being a close contact to dying children. Mass suicide had been previously discussed in simulated events called White Nights on, on a regular basis. During at least one such prior White Night, members drank liquid that Jones falsely told them was poison. Of the 918 Americans who lost their lives in, Jonestown in the Jonestown Massacre on November 18, 1978, investigators determined 907 died from ingesting poison, including nearly 300 that were children. They used cyanide and either injected it into people's syringes or drank the mixed poison with flavorate. Others were shot or stabbed that day. Jones himself was found with a single bullet wound to the head, and it is, it is still unsure whether it was self-inflicted or not. Roughly 90 former People's Temple members survived or managed to escape the mass murder-suicide at Jonestown. Jones's own son, Jim Jones Jr., who was 18 years old, and Stephen Jones, who was 19 years old, had lived at the compound with their father, were at a basketball game in the capital city of Georgetown on the day of the massacre. Jim Jones Jr. said, If I wasn't playing basketball, I would have died. Many former members still carry the guilt and shame of what happened in Guyana. The massacre at Jonestown represented the largest losses of American civilian life in a deliberate act until September 11, 2001. That is so fucked up. Yeah, the pictures of the oh. aftermath are insane. It's just hundreds of bodies lying on the ground. Um, a lot of some people were found with um, like marks and stuff on their arm. Yeah, because they and were forcefully yeah, given. Those were like, it's believed that those like the marks were like, because they pinned them down. And yeah, injected. Yeah, them some people them. just did not want to drink the Kool Aid, the Flavor Aid, whatever the fuck it's called. Don't drink the Kool Aid. Don't do it. But if they didn't drink it, they were forcefully murdered with syringes. There were syringes found everywhere. Yeah. I wonder how the people escaped. Like, did they hide? The people, there was, like, a bunch of, uh, I know, like, their basketball team, they had, like, a basketball team. That's what that mm -hmm. last part was about. Um, that were gone to Georgetown was, like, outside of Jonestown. Yep. Um, I think it was, like, it's just a city in yeah, Guyana. It was a capital city. Yeah. So they were gone that day, and... Um, so the whole team survived, but I'm not really sure how anyone else escaped. I don't really mm -hmm. know. I never really kind of yeah. came across that in my research. Y'all. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he also, when um, Jim Jones died, they found, like, he had, like, millions of dollars in his bank account. Yeah, and he also had, like, suitcases full of money, too. Yeah, like, he really just had all this money. I don't know what he was planning I on doing they, with it. On, like, the compound, they found suitcases of seven thousand dollars i think no it was like millions okay maybe they found like millions of dollars i'm pretty sure but my question is like okay so everyone was starving yeah there was the no fuck? water there was no room he just said so pb and j he just said pb and j baby he just wanted a peanut butter sandwich when did he plan on using the money no he was just literally had quite just literally lost his fucking mind he yeah. thought that they were probably sacrificing themselves to god well yeah but did he believe in god 
Yeah, he was hella religious. Hmm. He thought he was a god. I don't know what the fuck he was thinking. Jesus. He believed in himself. He was obviously was not all fucking there. <laughs> um, there was another little thing, a little thing we forgot to add in there. Mm-hmm. Um, just to give you a little aspect, a little, not, that's not even the right word. I don't even. Just to give you a little inkling. Yeah, no. okay. I, mm, whatever. No. So <laughs> basically, it, so you had to, like, if you wanted to do anything at Jonestown, you had to ask permission. Like, oh, yeah. if a, a couple wanted to date, they had to ask Jim Jones first. Yeah, they had to make like an application. Yeah, but if they wanted to break up, they also, they also had to. Need, yeah. But he would maybe imagine if you're just like, yeah, I really just am not feeling this relationship, but we have to go ask Daddy. We could break up, and he was like, no, okay, period. What do you do then? Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, he also was very much against like romantic like relationships, but also had multiple mistresses. Yeah, he just wanted to get fucked. Oh my God. He had a lot of kids. He did, yeah. You know, so he got a lot of them women knocked up for sure. For show. Mm, it's disturbing. Mm-hmm. It's really sad. It is sad because I I know a lot of these people were probably just looking for like a family or yeah. like a place to belong, and it's sad that it went down the way it did. I watched the movie that's like partly reenactments and then partly like interviews from survivors of Jonestown, and there was a man interviewed that said him his wife had passed away and he was moving to Jonestown. He brought his child with him just so he could make a better life and like he ended up escaping but he couldn't he couldn't get his kid out and his oh kid passed god. away. It's really sad. That is so sad. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, Kenny. Him and a up. and a woman who was like I don't know if it was like his roommate, like when he first got there, I think he was only there for like six, eight months. Okay. But he knew as soon as he got there he wanted to leave and he couldn't leave. Mm-hmm. And so he actually slipped a note to I think I think it was, I don't know if it was, I think it was Leo Ryan. He slipped a note to Leo saying, like, help me, I want to leave. Oh, yes. Yeah, he yeah. did. Yeah. So he, I think then Leo started taking some people out, mm-hmm. trying to get them out. And then when they were leaving to go back to the plane, like, at first, as they were driving out of the town, Jones didn't say nothing. But then I guess he radioed out to yeah, the airstrip the and was like, he was like, gun them down, boys. Yeah, they killed the congressman and everything. Yeah, they killed a bunch of people on the airstrip. I think one person from Jonestown died in that. In the shootout? Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. What is really fucked up is like, that's what, that's what triggered it. Mm-hmm. Because he, Jones, like, knew at that point. At, if Wynn caught back about the, all those people were like, not coming home, then they would have been investigated for sure. Definitely. You know? Mm-hmm. So either way, he knew it was over at that point. He just said, fuck it, I'm just going to kill all 918 of us. Yeah. Also, when he, <laughs> when he like, thought people did a good job or, like, did good work, he would award them with one cookie oh, yeah. on Sunday. Yeah. Yummy. Yeah, they were not eating good at all. Like, give me some of the money you have in your fucking suitcase. Jeez. Jesus Christ. Yeah, he was a freak. Yeah, he was a freak. And he just used to wear, he, you know, he he was doing so many fucking drugs. He just looked so burnt out that he would wear sunglasses all the time. All the time, because his eyes were red and watering at all times. Yeah, what like, the fuck? Ew, he seems so dirty to me. Yeah, he's musty. He was a dirty old man. How he old stinks. was he when he died? Who fucking cares? True. I'd say he was probably like in his 50s. Yeah, but that's pretty much it for this case. Mm-hmm. I'm going to wrap it up here now. Thank y'all for watching. Well, well listening. listening. Um, I don't know. Are we going to do episodes every two weeks now? Every week? What would you like to do? I think two weeks was like a good... Yeah, we're going to yeah we're gonna do um, an episode every second Tuesday. And they will be posted at 8 a.m. 
So you guys can listen to it when you're getting ready for work. But yeah, we're finding uh, one case a week is a little too much. We're a little bit too rushed. It's yeah. kind of overwhelming. We, so. we just want to make sure it's as good as it can be and well done and well researched and we just want to put out the best work we can so if we can take anything away from this case it would probably be to um don't join any cults no um if someone's trying to heal you religiously spiritually and shoving chicken liver in your mouth tell someone yes please god (laughs) tell somebody it is not right and the number one rule is don't, don't drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah, don't drink the Kool-Aid, and also don't move to Guyana, girl. No, don't. Well, well, you can now. <laughs> yeah, just... <laughs> like, not what you don't. Just don't go with a, like a cult leader, yeah. maybe. But yeah, anyways, take it away, Bree. We all, we all know you're dying to say it. We'll be tagging.